Hello everyone and welcome back to M Square podcast and welcome back to our author special series. If you want to become an author, want to know how your book how you can publish a book, want to know how you can make money out of publishing a book, then this author special series in conjunction with Story Mirror who have around 11 million readers, 100k writers and over 8 lakh stories and poems on their platform in across 10 languages so do not forget to check out story mirror today our guest is the author of the book check in and never check out and he shares key insights about his book and how he ha- and he has been a hotelier all his life he has managed hotels worked in the management of multiple hotels hotel chains one of the biggest hotel chains in the country and across the world he was there when the 2611 attacks happened and he will let us and he tells us on how he managed that entire scenario so please welcome ladies and gentlemen mr ratan keshwani a luminary in the hospitality industry and without any further ado let's dive right into this episode of m square podcast with our guest mr ratan keshwani So hello everyone and welcome back to M Square podcast. Today we have with us a very special guest in Mr. Ratan Keshwani. He is the author of the book Check In and Never Check Out, which unveils the extraordinary life of Mr. Ratan Keshwani himself. He is a luminary in the hospitality industry and the book seamlessly con- com- combines his personal journey with invaluable industry insights. It serves as both a memoir and an essential guide for aspiring aspiring hoteliers delving into leadership, customer service, staff management, marketing and innovation. Beyond the hospital hospitality realm it imparts universal wisdom on resilience and transformation proceeds from the book support muskan pae pid and ngo empowering differently abled individuals so thank you so much uh, ratan sir you know for agreeing to be a part of this and uh, you know giving us your time it's really a pleasure and an honor for us to have you with us today thank you anurag thank you for inviting me it's a pleasure to be on your show yeah So uh, I wanted to start with uh, you know like uh, to understand a little bit more about you how like you know how you started your journey and like how did the eventually the journey came along you know you writing the book ne- uh, check in and never check out and I think like you coming from the hospitality industry the two words that resonate with everybody is the check in time and the check out time so I think that book actually captures the entire uh, what you can say the gist of the book so I wanted to understand sir how did it start for you and like you know if you can get, take us back into those years of your life So let me first start with where the title came from as you asked the question. Yeah. Uh what well, maybe not for your age group but definitely for a slightly older group there's a very famous song called Hotel California. Uh, oh yes. A band called Eagles and if you remember a para there it says you can check out any time you like but you can never leave. Yeah. Uh so the whole thing was that I while I may have in a way checked out of my professional career in hospitality for the moment it draws me back because it's kind of embedded in my heart and soul. Uh so I took the words as being the inspiration for the title. Well the story really began back in 1981 and I joined the hospitality business. How should I say I I talk about it in the book uh in the first few paragraph it was kind of by accident kind of being forced into getting into the trade um and i went through a management training program with the oberoi hotels back in 1981 and onwards 83 and then i worked in different positions in about 10 different cities um led many hotels led large teams um and and actually the the, the thought of writing a book came about about 15 years ago 
I'm okay. sure you guys go through it that, you know, you want to complain about the management, you want to complain about your customers and you sit over a drink. Uh, and then sometimes you say, you know, one day I'm going to write a book and complain all about it. Uh, so the inspiration actually began from there when we were sitting with a couple of peers and mentors, uh, working in hospitality and never really got around to doing it. Uh, okay. Hours were long. I was moving into multiple locations, launched many hotels. So, uh, and but what happened was the reason to write the story was to maybe share the innards of any industry. And I think a lot of times the people in hospitality don't really get celebrated and fated. Yeah. Um, and it's a very interesting industry, which I think can teach leadership and people handling to many more industries. So let me try and very quickly explain that, um, you know, a hotel, particularly a large one, though it's similar to a small one too, is like a small representation of our country. Uh, and you see the problems that are, that are happening right now. When people come in there, you know, they come in from social, different social backgrounds, they come in from different societal pressures and understanding. They don't really have too much learning about the business. They see guests sometimes enviously, sometimes not so nicely because, okay. you know, they seem to be very entitled. Mm -hmm. um, yes. But, and there are thousands and thousands of moments of truth that happens in a hotel and a custom. And a thousand of, of moments of truth that happen between people too. Um, and as they age, somehow, sometimes they do the same job. Uh, they grow yeah. only a couple of positions. Uh, they get older. They start staying far away. They work long hours. They work at home. Um, the aches and pains continue. So, you know, there's a, at the back end, there's a lot of static you know, unusual electricity that can go wrong at any point of time. And there yeah. are certain pieces that I put together in the book. But, you know, when they come up and they start to come into their areas of work, it's like multiple orchestras playing a wonderful symphony together. Uh, barring rare times, smiles come back. Uh, they create memories for the customers while they are maybe not feeling good enough to, you know, connect those pieces. Yeah. But we don't celebrate them. Um, and I always found that I, I initially I used to find it very surprising that despite where they come from, what does it that makes them tick? And therefore, from my side as a leader, what is it that I need to do differently to draw the best out of them? Uh, and what do I need to change in my methodology so that I can help their success? Okay. Uh, and I, I think all of you, while you were learning your business or, you know, growing up, you know, our human resource systems say teach everybody the same way. It's not true. All of us want to be treated differently. differently. Uh, and then I had to deal with different age groups, uh, different education that they came from, different social diverse background. And when I worked abroad, it was different nationalities. Okay. Yes. So now you've got, you know, put this whole thing into a pot of a stew and there are multiple combinations that are coming into play. But the objective is to create a great team, a great environment, and therefore a successful operation. Okay. So over the years, my, my leadership methodology, communication, I think changed six or seven times, if not more. Okay. And I found that I was also having to deal with a lot of employees who, while they may not have come from the trade, they actually knew a lot of things more than me. Okay. Uh, they were, you know, what you call mavericks today. Uh, and then handling them to produce the best that we could was challenging learning for me. Uh, and so I had to keep on amending my own work style 
which is what I have tried to capture in the book in an episodic chronicle manner. Okay. Uh, there are some fun snippets. Obviously, the the slightly gruesome details we can't go into. That'd be defamatory if I talked about customer experiences. Um, so yeah, I mean, the story kept changing, my learnings kept changing, and I found that if I opened myself up to people by talking about my learnings and experiences from before, they warmed up to me and were able to communicate what they needed and how okay. I could help them do better. Uh, and then obviously because of what I said, they sometimes knew a lot of things more than me. Uh, it became a, a, a beautiful, you know, synergy as a team. Uh, and I believe that they contributed a lot more to my success over 40 years than I hope. I mean, I, I always hoped I did very well for them, but they did really contribute to who I became and what I succeeded with. And my little man, I hope I kind of contributed and helped them grow and help them find their path. The other part, I, you know, different from, you know, most other industries, most of the companies and industries have two, three verticals that work. Okay. You know, there's sales, marketing works with production, there's finance, uh, and there's a corporate board. In hotels, you know, different departments work, different sub-departments work, and everybody is customer-facing. Yeah. So, you know, I've tried to capture it that even if somebody is not from the hospitality industry, but is a aspiring leader or a settled leader, maybe some of those learnings that I got, some by force, some by circumstances, some by crisis, if any of the episodes resonate with them, and it helps them find a better, newer way of doing something, I would think I would have served some objective in my life. So yeah, that's a, such a wonderful journey, sir, you know, like how you mentioned about uh, interacting with different, uh, what you can say, generations. I wouldn't say generation, different age groups. And, you know, uh, when you moved abroad, uh, interacting with different nationalities, there is one thing that I wanted to ask you, sir, like you, you mentioned about, you know, that you have to change your leadership style six to seven times across your entire journey. So how challenging was it for you? And what, you know, like what ticked in you that, you know, that you felt that now my leadership style needs a change, maybe with the changing times. And how did you imbibe those changes? Because I, I would have uh, read, uh, like I'm very young to be honest in that terms, I can talk about leadership styles, but what I have read so far, I, I like lead, reading about leadership. So it's, it becomes very difficult for a leader after a certain point in time to make those changes in themselves, right? They, they'll be like, this has been working for me for so long, so it should work. So that ego comes in. So how you manage that ego, like, you know, like it, if, it, if it ever came that, you know, like now I need to change to, you know, update myself with the time. So in order to stay relevant, how difficult was for you, it was for you. And how did you imbibe those changes and how did you identify that? What changes I need to make in myself to be, you know, like make more impact. So, you know, you said one thing quite correctly. It's about shedding an ego. Uh, and as you grow, your ego gets bigger. It yes. changes, yeah. but it finds a different form. But the important part really is about shedding your ego. Um, the important part again is to find them. So when some things don't work right, uh, and, and, you know, for readers who would read the book, there are somehow in the different places I worked, I had the misfortune or now I can relate to it as a fortune to land myself or the, you know, the business went into different kind of crises, culminating in the biggest one that I handled, which was being in the hotel during 2611. Okay. Uh, cool. And, you know, from each of those pieces, sometimes the senior leadership wasn't available because maybe the telephone lines were down or, or they yeah. were traveling abroad and therefore there was nobody to guide me. Uh, and I realized that I was hesitating in making a decision because it just seemed to be larger than 
what I was comfortable thinking of. Or well, there were multiple alternatives as a decision, but I was struggling with which one would be right. Yeah. Uh, and and the only thing that I'd kind of imbibed was think right for the internal customer, think right for the external customer. Buildings asset in my mind come secondary. Uh, and so as a team, as you know, you you graduate, you know, you went into these kind of situations, you realize that they understood your deference at that time. And if you had been communicating and empathizing and understanding them as a set of individuals differently from how others had handled them, they would come up with suggestions. Okay. And they did have on ground some experiences because they were older, more mature in the business that I was as I grew. Uh, and so it became synergistic. And so I said, I must try to learn from them. And, you know, I've written about an example in, in, in Saudi Arabia where I made a, a fairly uh, sacrilegious statement in anger. Okay. I, I used to be an angry young man when I was, uh, you know, a younger person. Uh, and, and because I had taught the two, three managers that were working with me at that time at the Oberoi school, out of respect, they didn't report me. But the okay. consequences to me would have been disastrous had they done that. I went into Sri Lanka immediately after the IPKF operation and being the only Indian and Indians who were at that point of time not very well appreciated yes, yeah. to open themselves out to run a better ship and to teach them was a challenge. And the only way, therefore, was to think about their lives, finding an opening to say, what can I do for you so we can do a better job rather than the other way around? Uh, and so, you know, a lot of the past experiences became a learning story that I could go through it. And then we'd find the new story because that story was the past and sometimes not relevant to the location or their sensitivities their community, their experiences of the past, um, their language skills. Um, but the good thing was, and I, that's where the ego drop completely happened. I realized if I open my ears and my mind concurrently, which, you know, most people say, don't just hear, learn to listen and listen okay. and, you know, absorb uh, that if I could then show them that, look, this is how you want me to do things. Uh, this is what you want me to change. I'm happy to do it. But if you think it's solving your purpose, then let's work together to solve a larger purpose. And when we started to do that, so at the Oberon, there's an incident about how I made laminated cards uh, of the way one person needed to be treated to the other. That would serve as a reminder, and therefore I didn't have to go with my preconceived notions, but I'd bring in my cue card to say, okay, Anurag's coming to meet me. He okay. said, don't talk to me like this because otherwise it bothers me. So I okay. must remember not to talk to him like that, right? So yeah. Uh, because I wanted to learn to change, uh, and if they were, they saw the change in me, and if they felt that it made a difference to their lives and their comfort and happiness of working, then we were able to do, you know, causing, you know, saying creating magic, it would maybe a larger term, but we really improved what we want to do. And, yeah. we, you know, we really went places. And today, a lot of these critical people in every place are not just friends. Some of them have become part of my family. Okay. Um, and I can reach out to them anytime I want, and they can reach out to me anytime I want. So it's become a, a wonderful little sub-family amount. But I had to shed a lot of my past learnings each time, and more so shed my inhibitions as a person. Okay.
So it was all not only about shedding your ego, but sh- shedding also your inhibitions at the time, like, you know, to in order to grow. It's yeah. just like how a tree sheds leaves after every uh, season, right? So that new fruits, new leaves grow. It is similar to if we can take an analogy at that point in time. So, sir, I think you were mentioning about, you know, 2611, like you, you were there or something. So I wanted to understand uh, what was that scenario like and how did you deal with that particular scenario? Well, I think it's best to read the episode. Okay. Uh, because it always brings back not so nice memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all I can say is it's not something anybody's trained to handle. Uh, but it took me a few hours. I, I, I live in Gurgaon, so it took me a few hours to get there. But once I learned about what had happened. But in the meantime, the team members had rescued at personal risk. I mean, there was gunfire. There's a whole, you know, firefight happening in the lobby yeah. and otherwise. But at, at the risk of personal, you know, body damage, they had rescued so many people. In fact, the first person who told me what was happening was a customer that I knew from my days in Mumbai who sent me a message saying, Ratan, if the TV is saying it's a gang war, it isn't. Okay. It's a terrorist attack. Your guys have taken me out of the restaurant very, very well. This is where we are. This is what they're doing. Kudos to your team, but I think you need to get there. The problem is bigger than most people think. Okay. And this was happening, you know, so the attack happened, I think, at 9.35, 9.37. Mm-hmm. So the gentleman was right to me at quarter 10 because he was, he had moved him from the restaurant into the banquet hall. And okay. Uh, so, and then, of course, when I got there, many things happened which are captured there. There are many scenes of bravery that I've captured there, not just from our people. Uh, how caring they were at at the risk of almost death uh, because, you know, they had the bit of a... It's not called loyalty. It's almost a patriotic passion for their customers. Okay. Right. Um, and, and, and yeah, so it, it was an overwhelming piece. And, and I went through a lot of learnings at that time, which I've captured there where somebody refused to go in to do some work. And I, I took off, I got angry, but I realized that I shouldn't have, because why would I want them? What would my guarantee of asking them to take a risk with me, yeah. uh, you know, at the cost of their personal lives? Um, the citizens around, uh, you know, kept a absolutely unchanging stream of giving us water outside to the team, idli bodies, you know, name it. And then saying, look, your guys must be tired outside. I have a spare bed. You guys want to go rest there. So it always brought through to say, why do people do all this? They're not okay. soldiers. Yeah. You know, they didn't sign up for this. Uh, but for, I think, including me, our home had been defiled. So yeah. when your home gets defiled, you know, hackles come up and, and for a large member of those people, those hackles came up and they, they were able to do what nobody else would do under normal circumstances. Even if you ask them a theoretical question before, would you do that? The obvious answer would be no, no, uh, because why would you want to do that? Yeah. So my book is a lot about how people respond in certain circumstances and trying to unravel the mystery of why do they? And sometimes it's all about the, the team bonding. It's all about respecting yes. leadership that you work with and doing it for each other and more so doing it for the customer. Yeah. Uh, so, right, you know, in a normal way, it's about creating wonderful moments of joy for, you know, people and the customers. But here it's a, it's a, it's a, it's almost a righteous thing to say, you don't defile my home. These are my extended family and yeah. I will do anything to protect them. Uh, so there's a whole leadership learning saying, why do people behave that way? 
they behave that way under certain circumstances under certain you know how should i say it when you scenarios like where like enable that relationship is when they come alive and they, they yeah. i mean it's just wonderful how they do so i've got to capture those if it can help any of the readers um, of course there are some snippets of fun uh which have been put in to bring a bit of a smile on the face from different different yeah. places uh where saudi arabia or whether sri lanka or in mumbai too in my early part of my career so the idea was to share learnings uh and and you know most people feel skeptical when they're growing to say will i ever succeed to that level level uh and so at the end of it just before the epilogue i've given about 15 odd bullet points which are my synopsis of my learning uh with the same fact to say where i came from and how i began if i could make it anybody can so and and what do i suggest you do to enable you to do it or anybody else in any other industry to be able to yeah. do that that is the purpose of the exercise also uh, you were mentioning about you know some funny snippets that can sh- bring us smile so if you can share a one or two snippets from your journey the entire life if you can just share one or two with a you know so you know there yeah. are many but i let me just cover uh, something that's not there in the book because okay. you know we, yeah. we can talk about it so i i think uh, any of the ladies watching your program want to read the book everybody loves richard gear right uh richard gear was a very very private individual uh, and he did would never want to be recognized by press would never give interviews but he used to come to one of my hotels very often he was okay. a avid follower of the lai lama sometimes used to come with his girlfriend sometimes not so uh and and you know one one evening uh, all the departmental heads and <coughs> particular lady said you know tomorrow for fun let's do the morning meeting at the pool side okay and let's do it at quarter past 11 Now that's an odd request but sometimes it's a little bit of fun so so okay that's what you want to do i didn't know why that was uh but they realized over two days that richard gave would come to sun himself on the sunbeds of the pool okay. at about 10 past 11 he'd be there for about half an hour okay. so he gave them an open license to ogle at richard gave uh while calling it an official meeting so yeah. yeah there are many many such uh we we did a very very interesting event uh with a very very well known uh one can take any names a perfume company mm-hmm. uh, and there's a very famous model very tall uh who's known to be a little difficult uh with her attitude uh and she was the brand ambassador okay and we had a sit down dinner by the poolside and and you know there was dinner dancing there was waltzing champagne uh with cordon some you know corporate clients uh and and there was there were people who were critical guests who were dancing with Naomi Campbell too it was it was it was great great for them to do that and and one of the corporate customer one md of a very famous company uh, he had brought his friend along uh and he tapped the previous previous person who was dancing with her it's, you know tap means i move on i want to dance with her and he started to dance with her but that gentleman took photographs okay uh, when there were you know strict rules that and those days mobile phones were obviously mm-hmm. weren't there uh and and Naomi Campbell's PR manager slapped him with a a uh, a penalty and a fee uh for $20,000 at that time oh, for okay. taking a photograph which he would use for personal marketing uh, and because he was going to use Naomi Campbell's face and and the fact that she danced with him to his advantage he had to pay marketing fees uh and before oh, the night was okay. over he'd got that notice on his on, on the table uh create a bit of a mayhem but yeah there are many many such pieces that go along that we go through yeah people you know people drop to their knees um you know there are engagements that happen 
uh, we haven't talked a bit about my elementary experience, but imagine, mm -hmm. uh, and this is something out of a Karan Johar tearjerker. Um, we, we, we used to do a lot of work with differently able people, which I've talked about, okay. which is why my proceeds are going to Muskan and Lemetry excels at at uh, handling differently able people and you know creating employment for them to raise their level of self esteem and usefulness. And there was this young lady who um, was working with her in a wheelchair. Wonderful okay. personality. Used to work in guest relations. Used to room customers, take check ins, take check out. She was vibrant, vivacious. She'd you know lock, become paralyzed, uh, waist downwards. Okay, uh, and you know she was working in the hotel. She used to bring a smile from my face every time I walked into the hotel. So, so what happened actually was uh, a couple of years ago, she had been engaged to get married. Okay. Uh, and, and while, you know, traveling from Delhi to Jaipur, through so shopping, you know, a lot of people go to buy their stuff from different cities. Uh, they come in with an accident. Okay. Uh, and, and she got paralyzed ways downwards. And uh, the engagement broke. And she was in hospital for a lot of time. Uh, got paralyzed, but at least, you know, was able to move around the wheelchair and therefore she found herself in our hotel. Uh, and one morning, and this is like I saw it, and I, I kid you not, like a Karanja, a tearjerker, uh, a gentleman was sitting in the corner and while I was talking to her, he suddenly came across to her. She was in a wheelchair. He dropped on his knees wow. and proposed to her. He was her erstwhile fiance. Uh, who was supposed to get married to her two years ago. He was based in London. Okay. Uh, the engagement had broken. He had kind of heard of what she was doing and how she was looking after herself. Uh, he had been sitting in the lobby for an hour in the corner, uh, out of her eyesight, you know, eyeline. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he just got so overwhelmed that he proposed to her and um, she got married in three months and moved to UK. Oh, wow. And there are many wow. such, you know, so there are moments of joy. But just like I said, 2611, many moments of sorrow. Hmm. Um, that kind of work all the time. But like I said, they are good, bad, or otherwise, they are moments of truth. And there sure. are thousands yeah. of them that happen every day in any hotel. Yeah. So uh, also, you know, that's so wonderful. Like you might have seen so many such wonderful moments throughout your life and like that might have stayed as a part of you. And also, as, as we were discussing about, you know, like uh, during the time of 2611, that how the people went above and beyond on what they would have done on a normal scenario. So as a leader, how do you inculcate that thought process in your employees or you know, the people you're working with? Because uh, they are not going to get paid additionally. There is no on like that will be there will be an honor, but they might not get the recognition that they you know usually would get for doing such an extraordinary work it is in the need of the hour that somebody is doing so how do you inculcate that sort of a feeling of a family in your employees or the people you're working so with? i don't think you can inculcate that okay uh i think that comes and that's the reason why i said why i wrote the book because i've kept it there to say there are times that team members did something and i could never understand why and you know how are they able to overreach themselves yeah. We as leaders or any other leaders can only be an enabler of that relationship. Okay. You can only create an environment which makes them passionately believe that this is mine. It goes okay. beyond the job. And therefore, the people that I look after are, are an extended responsibility that I've got. That, that's the only thing you can enable. Okay. Uh, and if you enable that, maybe this, this kind of how should I say, sense of more responsibility, if I may call it that way, mm -hmm. is something that is innate in a lot of us. 
Uh, and, and, you know, in crisis, some people just come out shining. Yeah. But at that time, I would say, bar none, every one of them shown uh, in exceptional circumstances. So, you know, that is something I, I cannot teach. Yeah, you can that, stroke it, you can tell them stories about it, inculcate their pride in the whole whole so, exercise of you know what that means to them. Hope that that kind of stuff would never happen to them, to anybody. Yeah. I would not hope what happened to happen to anybody because we also lo lost some yes. staff members in the first phase of the attack. Uh, but there is that much you can enable. The rest is in the heart. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's natural, normal. That that's so true. I mean, like, and totally, I can understand what you are saying, right? Because uh, I would not, I didn't not have the opportunity to work at such a senior level. But we used to do an event uh, where you know where we look out for people who you know gave some instances that it is a sense of belonging in them, right? Yes. And I also was like, well, we had to hire the next set of people in our MBA, so you know, to do that job, and we fairly uh, we failed at it because you know, and then we realized that the biggest mistake that we made was like you know we went with people who have worked the hardest rather than people who worked with love and passion and i think that is one thing that i took out with that you know it's not always the hardest working person in the room that should be the next leader it should be the person who actually treat that that thing as their own you know like as their own child or as their own family member or something that they actually yes, hold yes. on truly so mr obro used to always say never hire for job knowledge yeah. always hire for attitude and aptitude hire That's people it. who have not just listening skills but hearing skills they hear absorb yeah um and make sure that uh, their attention to detail is something that you help grow as many times as you can because in the right time or the wrong time these are the four or five factors uh that go beyond job processes okay. because you're not dealing with an instance such as this because anybody trained how to do it yeah the innateness comes out uh, because that's how those people are yeah. So, so what do you look for if you say, suppose hiring and you were when you were hiring a new person or if you hire a new person, what is that one thing, you know, that makes any candidate stand out from the rest of the people who are there? Oh, well, I think it's kind of common to every industry. It's not about looks. I think it's about a overall personality that you look for. Yeah. Um, you know, you can be wearing the most ordinary clothes, but you can display uh, a very good uh, persona to the other person, sure. um, a soft visage, reasonably well-spoken. I don't mean that you have to speak perfect English, mm -hmm. even if you're well-spoken in the local language or in Hindi or whatever, it's fine because the rest, as I said, can be taught. Yeah. Um, and you try and engage and, and ask them questions on, it's not easy. This is also a skill that you have to learn either by observation or by training is you try and see if what, what is it? that represents their personal value system. Yeah. You know, personal value system come from our parentage and our society. So sometimes you try and, you know, ask a difficult question or create an environment or pressure for the other person to see if the person answers by rote or answers from a value system okay. of social skills, ethical skills, comfort in handling a, you know, a, a difficult one, or the honesty of saying, look, I don't know, because okay. it's okay to not know. Yeah. But to pretend to know can cause you damage later because you'll trust the person for what the person said. said. And when the chips are down, you may have a problem. So that's that's really the, the mantra I would give to everybody. Yeah.
So, uh, Sanyur, we have gone through your journey, how you started, uh, how you went into the hospitality industry, the different uh, incidences that might that have happened with you, some good ones, some sorrowful ones. So now I wanted to understand, like, what, uh, you know, like, how did the book writing journey started? And like, what are the challenges you faced when you, you know, embarked on that journey? Like, you know, like initially, uh, did you find it difficult to understand the process of writing a book, getting it published? And how did it eventually happen? And how has been the response for the whole book? Okay, so like I said, it the, the seed of thought came many years ago. Yeah, uh, but never got around to it because of the hours or because circumstances and learnings kept changing. I always okay. felt it's not over yet. I still have something to learn. Uh, I stepped away from an active career summer of last year. Um, so you know, when you work in organizations, why do you know what to do? Uh, the how technologically we are dinosaurs, at least I am, right? Okay. So, you know, I can't type like you all do with all 10 fingers. Uh, I'm a three, four finger typist. So okay. I tried to write it, but my thoughts were far ahead than what I was writing. And therefore the drafting, the editing was just becoming very frustrating. Uh, then I actually tried to handwrite it. Okay. But the same nonsense happened. I, I mean, I tore many, many, many... 30, 40 pages that I would write because I would still be on half of episode one when I was writing, but my mind had already moved to chapter three. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it, it wasn't getting there. Then I didn't know, should it be a third party account? Because most people know my career has really been in two big companies. Uh, hmm. Should it be in, you know, you know, present tense, past tense, past, but there are many styles of writing, right? And I think yeah. most people who know writing and, and, and ask, you know, script writers would see that my writing style changed as the book moved forward. Okay. Um, contacted a few publishers that I knew from before for help. Um, they weren't very helpful. Okay. They tried to make the job, you know, sound a lot more difficult. Um, then a, uh, an erstwhile colleague of mine had written a couple of books. I asked her, um, saying, well, will you be able to co-write it for me? I'll give you, you know, author rights. Mm -hmm. She said, but I'm just writing my own book. So, you know, okay. uh, that didn't happen. Um, then I, you know, spoke to a publisher, asked him if he could help me transcribe. They made a few promises. It didn't happen. And because then, you know, now what happens is you start to learn something on the net. Yeah. So because I was on YouTube on book writing and publishing and whatever, a lot of the companies started to search me out. Okay. So, you know, a lot of these publishing companies wrote into me or mm -hmm. you know started to follow me and I will read their script. So I called Story Mirror. I mean, I started with somebody else, it didn't work out. Okay. And Story Mirror being the publisher, online publisher I've used, um, we had a couple of chats. It seemed to work together. And, and when I met them in Bombay, uh, because I live in Gurgaon, okay. uh, I got a comfort zone with them, but I needed the, the person to write for me, uh, which started off in a particular manner. Uh, but then that person went a little on their own in the style of writing, which wasn't my style of speaking. Okay. Okay. So finally we decided that the first set of ones would be recorded as episodes as, as voice recordings okay because i've always told a story for training mm -hmm. and, and as long as i can sequence and you know go through my story in, in a form so i think they, they gave me a wonderful gentleman called migesh uh, who worked with me on this in mumbai and over two days we did about i think 12 hours of recording which was then written edited rechanged then he introduced me 
to Audacity, a program uh, which okay. I could use on on my laptop. So then I started to edit and send some you know additional stuff as voice recording to them. Um, yeah, so that's how the story began. We went through multiple edits, um, and I think we finished the final edits sometime end of June. Okay. Um, and I think they sent me the blueprint middle of July, and that's where it began. Uh, what I'm happy is I think we've sold about about 600 in about seven weeks. Okay. Um, you guys would know whether that's good, bad, or not so good, or whatever. But um, uh, I did some launch events in in uh, Mumbai and then in in Delhi NCR. But uh, it's thankfully been well received. I put out some testimonials, etc. Though some of them are in the book mm -hmm. as well uh, on my social media. Uh, journalists have liked it. My peers and mentors have liked it. Uh, and to quote, you know, I, I, there were a couple of three, three sub editors in, in the story made a family. And I asked them, I said, you know, you guys don't know anything about hotels, but I want you to read it as an external non-related reader. Okay. With only two questions in mind saying, did you want to turn them to the next page? Did it make you, you know, turn to the next page? Yeah. Uh, and at the end of it, was it interesting? Because that's the best I can achieve with a person who's not reading it from a hotel point of view. Because it's also not got the scandalous stories. Yeah. Okay. So because it doesn't have scandalous stories, some people say hey, that's boring. So I said, tell me it wasn't boring. I wanted to, you know, read the next page. Yeah. Then I think we would have done that. So they came back and with a few corrections that we made in a couple of chapters. They said, yeah, it works for us. So that was my only audit uh, mechanism that I had for your generation or you know, yeah. people from outside the industry. But thankfully, from whatever people have written in on my social media or, you know, a lot of the newspapers and magazines have kind of put together some articles will be coming out soon. I think it's gone off well, so I'm satisfied. Okay. Uh, as long as I get some inputs from non-hospitality leaders and somebody say, hey, look, that made sense to me. Um, it would have been a job reasonably well done. Yeah. It's one of my, you know, how, how should I say it? My bucket list that I had and I ticked it off. Okay. And definitely I would be, you know, reading to the book and then I'll give you my, like, uh, like how, how do, do I feel about the book? It, it has been such a, yeah, it has been such a wonderful conversation with you, sir, you know, to understand from your journey, how it went out, how it went ahead. Uh, so, and it is also inspiring in certain terms, you know, when you mentioned about the leadership types and the humbleness that it requires to actually, you know, shed out your old skin in order to actually imbibe the new learnings and new things that you need to stay relevant and, you know, contribute more to the work that you're doing yeah uh, so i would want to you know understand from you like three to five things that any person who's trying to you know make a career in the hospitality industry what they should uh you know imbibe in themselves and how they can make a career a successful career in the hospitality industry so i think the learnings are not just for the hospitality industry okay uh i think the aspiration or the methodology should be the same regardless of which industry you're going to okay yeah there's that much you will learn from whichever institute that you come from. Uh, but never believe that your learning's ever going to stop. Okay. Uh, we somehow, because we do well, let's say in a course, uh, people celebrate us. And, and so we believe we are best in class is what we do. No, you're never best in class. Yeah. Every race that you run because circumstances will change, locations will change, your responsibility will change. It's like running a marathon each and every time. Yeah. Uh, okay. And it's not about running the, you know, the race quicker than anybody yeah. else. 
It's about running the race better than anybody else and being able to repeat that over and over again with comfort, right? Yeah. Uh, acknowledge what you don't know. You'll always find somebody that you can copy, clone, learn from uh, because you showcase the aptitude, the attitude to learn. Okay. Uh, in our time, the number of books in the subject matter were very, very limited. Remember, there was no Google, there was no YouTube. Yeah, that point. Uh, I remember my first salary as a as a manager was all of twenty four thirty to twenty four hundred thirty five rupees. Oh, in Mumbai, uh, and the two books that were available each cost four thousand rupees. So I wasn't going to buy them. Okay, because they were more expensive than my first one month mm -hmm. salary, right? So, and we didn't really have a medium to learn from. So we had to try and learn from observation. Okay. Le try and learn from the environment. Try and learn from the people that you work with. But today, in the theoretical aspect, the mediums are available. Yeah. Everybody at every point of time in their life must give themselves, in my opinion, I'm just timing it about 10 to 12 hours to yourself to learn or hone your skill better. You know, never lose that desire to read, learn. Yeah, uh, and and the curiosity about what's happening in the world, because that's what makes your overall understanding as a person happen. Person. Never lose that. Uh, and like I said, uh, there's no harm in acknowledging what you don't know as long as you know where to find it or take yeah. help for finding it. And the last thing is never make an opinion about other people too quickly. Okay. Uh, some of us, for instance, were taught a lot of human resource theories and psychological analysis and counseling skills, uh, which we tried to use as amateur psychologists. It failed. Uh, we were taught very early Myers-Briggs studies, Adler, mm -hmm. Freud, and how to apply. So I would look at you and say, he's that kind of type. Uh, how can I make up my yeah. mind? You know, I don't understand the intricacies. So we sometimes use knowledge a little incorrectly, uh, make it usable. Yeah. Uh, also believe that the customer might just know better than you. Even okay. though you're very good at what you do, because maybe they are more well-traveled, they are more educated, they are more aware of something yeah. around you. Uh, so sometimes you fight that, you know, I, I know it best. Um, so your, your desire for learning must never ebb. And, you know, you're reaching out for, to people to say, how do I widen the scope of my role? What can I do to grow and widen my role? Don't work for compensation and bonuses. Okay. Uh, a lot of the reward will come from the good advice that makes you better for a better for the next stage in life. Okay. As I say, better for the morrow in my book. Uh, because as you get better, you will get recognized. That's true. Um, but fighting the battle is not good enough. Learning to fight the battle so that one day you can win a war yeah. is more important in my opinion. I think that is something, you know, like uh, that is a very well apt way to put it out. Like, you know, fighting the battle is not enough and learning to fight the battle. That is something which I'll take away from this interview, sir. You know, like uh, I, what I uh, have this habit of, you know, taking everything, one thing from any interview that I take is, you know, one learning from the person. Uh, so and this uh, from uh, our conversation, this is something, you know, that is very new for me to, you know, like take it. It's given me news perspective, to be very honest, when you mentioned that, you know, because I 
I was of the opinion that fighting the battle is the paramount, right? You should at least go out, show up, and all. But the way you're you are playing a twenty-over match, young man. Yeah, yeah. Learn yeah. to play the twenty, the fifty, and the test yeah, match. Test match. Yeah. Only then can you be a legend. Agreed. Yeah. And you, true. anybody can become a legend. Yeah. Thank you so there's much. There's one thing I'd like to add, and you know, while it may not be part yeah. of the questioning, there's a lot of learnings I had in the world of diversity. Okay. Uh, and differently abled people, and LGBTQs, and uh, a lot of you should, you know, any management student or organization should just study the model, particularly that elementary follows, uh, whereby people were trained to handle those guys. So we have to learn to handle them, not the other way around. Yeah. But they can be as important and as valuable and as employable as anybody else. And what keeps us back is societal understanding of the past and norms. Okay. I'd like everybody to share that. Whether it is for a differently abled people person, or as we be also title one more category, or the economically differently abled because they came from poor backgrounds, okay. maybe not that much that much academic education, or the larger community of LGBTQ because they are so creative uh, in anything that they do uh, and so customer focused in anything that we do, we must shed that because they bring the culture and diversity and value to us as human beings okay and they can be delightful team members who can also enable you to look at life very differently definitely uh, and you know i'm very proud to have learned many things from elementary and, and the people there but that was my biggest exposure uh we we kind of brand it in a different manner uh shouldn't uh the amount of acceptance amongst your age group should be much 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 higher uh, and therefore, enable, enabling them will create for a better world. Okay. And that's as much part of your responsibility as much it was part of ours. And we didn't do too much justice. I'd like you all to do it. Okay. And I think that is something which the audience can take from this, uh, like, Hope you know, so. like to, to be Hope to so. be inclusive of everybody who's there. Uh, so thank you so much. It has been such a wonderful conversation. There's so much to learn, uh, you know, from your experiences. And I always thank try so to, yeah, always try to, you know, take something. From said, please buy if you haven't yeah. bought it. I love it. We buy it. So. Yes, for yeah. sure, sir, for sure. Thank you for um, inviting me to your show. Pleasure to meet yes, you. Yeah. So, uh, thank you so much, sir, for giving us your time, for being a part of this, for agreeing to be a part of this. It was an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you with us, with someone who has thank been you. in the industry for so long, sharing their experience, share the, sharing their journey and sharing their, uh, what you can say, incidents and things that occurred around them when they were working on the field. It is truly, you know, I would say at times it becomes very mesmerizing for me to, you know, some uh, talk to someone who has been like, you know, proper a veteran and a legend in their own field and to take something from uh, you know their experiences and all thank you uh, so much yeah i would like to ask you sir one thing if you want to share something with the people who are going to listen to those young people if there is any words of wisdom if you would like to impart or like to share with them just keep your mind open never stop learning always be aware about what's happening in the world around you and just learn maybe to be more kind and humane to the environment and the people who work with you, success will come. Yeah. Uh, it never stays away from the right person. Uh, normally, the difficult people who think they made it in life are the 2% in my life that don't make it to the right mediums. Everybody else manages to succeed uh, yeah. unless something from society or by illness keeps them back. As long as you push yourself, work hard towards it, commit towards it, um, it is not difficult to succeed. 
Thank you so much, sir. That was so Thank you. Uh, so wonderful to hear. Have uh, a wonderful also, day. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of M Square Podcast and would like to thank Mr. Ratan for agreeing to be a part of this and for such amazing stories and such great learnings on how we can be successful in life. He uh, one of the most amazing things that we took out from this episode was that any proceeds that come out of his book Check In and Never Check Out is goes into the support of Muskan P A E P I D an NGO that is empowering the differently abled individuals. So I would suggest and I would request all of our listeners to definitely check out the book Check In and Never Check Out. It's an amazing masterpiece and If you like this episode of M Square podcast do share it with your friends and family and if you listen to us do share on your Instagram and tag M Square podcast and @ragmanik7 where we give all the latest updates about our upcoming episodes and upcoming series and if you know someone who wants to become an author publish their own book and make money out of publishing their book then definitely this episode is for them We are conducting this author special series and in our next episode you're going to listen to Mr. D Chatnathan who is the author of the book Anjanamma Igniting Aspirations and if you have not checked out the first episode of the series that was with Miss Premrata Punia that is Borders Bridges and Belongings to check out it's an amazing amazing episode and if you are a fan of the web series The Freelancer andekhi or if you are a fan of the movie Ludo then our upcoming guest is definitely someone you would want to listen to so do follow us on Instagram we are going to give us all the live updates up there our Instagram handle goes by the name M Square Podcast and you can follow me on Instagram at @anuragmanik7 and do not forget to subscribe to us on YouTube at M Square Podcast and as we always say until next time stay quirky stay different and this is your host Anuragmanik signing off